When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I'm Billy Embody, joined by Soonerscoop.com's George Stoya. George, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Billy. I know we uh, we stole you for our show for a bit, so I, I figured I should give you some time. Yeah, trading trading spaces here on uh, this Tuesday. And look, a lot of SV fans are heading up to Norman this weekend. Let's let's start off with a little lighthearted question. Where would you grab a pregame meal uh, if you were an SV fan visiting Norman? That's a great question. Um, I ha- I specifically love the Mont. That's a that's an iconic place here in Norman. You can go and get yourself a swirl, um, which they're they're known for that drink there. Uh, you could go to O'Connell's, which has been around forever on Campus Corner. You've got Fuzzies on Campus Corner. Uh, the library is my personal favorite. Uh, pizza. Uh, it's a nice bar too over on uh, Boyd Street. So those are some of the places I would recommend the Mont though. That place will be packed. It'll be a good atmosphere too. Cool. Another good atmosphere will be uh, up there in Norman for this one. Uh, a five o'clock kick. A uh, little surprise. Yep. Uh, wasn't 11 a.m., but uh, we'll, we, we will get a little bit of shade for this one. And SMU's coming in off of their 38-14 win over Louisiana Tech. Oklahoma though, coming off a 73 to nothing Arkansas State um, beat down. I listened to your guys' podcast. Uh, I think it was you or somebody was saying how this might have been the most kind of complete game from a Brent Venables team. What's different about this team that that you've been able to at least take away um, in 2023 so far? Yeah, I mean, it's the competitive depth. That's what Brent Venables has been preaching all offseason. They went out and they got a lot of different guys, not only in the transfer portal, but in their recruiting class. I mean, they brought in a top 10 recruiting class. There's several freshmen that you're probably going to see play on Saturday. Uh, but really, it's it's what they did in the portal, being able to go out and get some guys, especially on defense when you talk about up front. I mean, they have a whole new front seven other than Danny Stutzman, who uh, obviously started for, for them at linebacker last season. But other than that, they've got six new guys, whether that's Jaron Kanick, uh, who was you know a four-star guy last year as a true freshman came in. Uh, and it's going to be starting at that that Mike linebacker form now in his second year. And then up front, they've got a whole bunch of transfers. Uh, Rondell Bothroyd, who is an all-ACC all guy uh, from Wake Forest, he's starting at edge. Uh, you got Jonah Lualu, who's a transfer. Uh, DJ Terry from Tennessee, um, you know, and Trace Ford from Oklahoma State. So you're talking about a team that really has a lot more depth, and, and you saw that on, on Saturday. I mean, they played 87 different guys. Uh, I think there was 44 guys that made their first appearance in an Oklahoma uniform. So you're talking about a major roster overhaul, and they feel like they have a lot more talent than they did in year one under Brent Venable. So you're going to see a lot of new faces. I mean, even on offense, talk about a guy like Andrew Anthony, the Michigan uh, Michigan wide receiver that transferred to Oklahoma. He's kind of their deep ball threat. There's a lot of belief that he could be their number one wide receiver uh, this season, replacing Marvin Mims, who who was obviously great for them. For three years so uh there's a lot of new faces a lot of new guys but they just feel like they have a lot more talent than they did a year ago they, they lost a ton in the portal as we all know um some to usc some to other schools uh so they, they feel like they have 
a really deep roster. And then you just talk about efficiency and we'll see what game management looks like. I think this game will obviously be a lot more tight, uh, tight in this one, but um, you know, we'll see if, if Brent Vinwells has cleaned up some of that stuff, which kind of hindered them at times a year ago. I watch a lot of OU football. I told you guys uh, when we were on the podcast, I got a couple of groomsmen that are big OU guys. Uh, they'll all be up there for this one, but we watched a lot of Dylan Gabriel last year. Obviously he got nicked up um, there some as well. Uh, this year they do have Jackson Arnold backing him up, which is a nice uh, thing. I've said it before. He and Peyton Bone were the two best football players I saw in the high school ranks last year. But when you look at Dylan Gabriel, his progression, he looked really comfortable, obviously, against Arkansas State. You know, everybody, uh, quite frankly, looked pretty comfortable. But where did you see maybe some strides from him? Um, and and what, what could you take away from that showing? Definitely his accuracy. I mean, that's something that's been talked about a lot here in Norman is his accuracy wasn't great at times. There, there were times last year that he looked like one of the better quarterbacks in the country. And then there were times that he was just missing open guys. Uh, on Saturday, he didn't miss open guys. There was maybe one bad throw on Saturday where he just underthrew a little bit of a deep ball, put a little bit too much under it, um, you know, to Andrew Anthony. But other than that, he was pretty, pretty good. I mean, he had, he was 19 of 22, 308 yards. That's the the highest completion percentage of his career in a single game. So clearly he feels like he's being more efficient. I know that that was a huge emphasis for in this off season for him was being more efficient with the ball, being more accurate situational football. They were really good on third downs. On Saturday, I think they started eight for eight on third downs. Uh, that's been huge for them, and and they put themselves in really good spots where it was you know third third and shorts. Uh, they weren't in a, a ton of third and long, so that that clearly helps them. But uh, I think for for Dylan, it's it's about cleaning up some of those accuracy issues, getting the ball over the middle of the field. That's something that they haven't done a ton of with Dylan, uh, and really hasn't done a lot in his career. And some of that's you know Jeff Lebby's offensive scheme, but. Uh, they did. They did do that on Saturday. They were able to hit some stuff over the middle, over the seam. So I think that that's that's been an emphasis. And and again, I you know who how much can you really uh, improve, Dylan? You know, going into his fifth year, we'll see if he can continue that. But it's about being consistently good with your accuracy, making good decisions. And and again, you're playing Arkansas State, so uh, you know it's not the greatest competition, but. I thought he was really good and just in terms of running the offense, he looked more comfortable. And I one thing too, Billy, to point out, and I know that you don't win games in interviews, but he does seem to be more comfortable in those settings, being a leader on this team. I mean, he's cracking jokes after practice. And we'll see. I mean, last year they lost a lot of football games, so it was hard to to be fun in, in those those settings. But he does seem to just feel more more at home in terms of being the starting quarterback at Oklahoma and kind of what that means with it offensively, it, it seems like they're looking for that guy at receiver, but the running yeah. back room, at least from what Josh and I talked about this summer, and then, of course, what some of my OU buddies are, are saying, the running back room is where OU feels really good about it you know, this year. What did you see from them uh, going into, or well, throughout the Arkansas State game? Yeah, I, I don't know if they have a superstar running back. I, I think that they have just a really good depth there. I mean, right now you're talking about Marcus Major, who, you know, obviously is a guy that is going into his fifth year, has played a lot of football, has been kind of banged up, uh, so he hasn't really gotten his chance. He's a guy that you're going to see a lot of on Saturday. Uh, Tawi Walker, the walk-on Juco product, he's a guy that's come out of nowhere. Uh, he started, he got the first carry of the season on Saturday, which was kind of a surprise. He'll You'll see some of him. And then Javante Barnes is the running back, the other running back that, you know, last year played a lot behind Eric Gray. He was the number two. I expect him to eventually be the starter by season's end. He's a guy that 
has a lot of potential. His ceiling's really high, uh, and they played him a ton, can do some different things out of the backfield. He's also their best-looking running back, in my opinion. I mean, he just looks the part. And then one guy you didn't see last Saturday that I think you will see this Saturday is Gavin Sawchuk. Last year, he played in the bowl game. He's a speedster guy. Um, you know, the only action he had was against Florida State in the Cheez-It Bowl. I think ran for over 100 yards and a touchdown. So he's a guy that a lot of people think can end up maybe competing with Javante Barnes to be that starter. So you're going to see a lot of different guys at running back for Oklahoma. Uh, and again, they may not have that superstar like a, a Joe Mixon or Samaj P. Ryan or some of those guys in the past that you, you, were, you think of when you think of Oklahoma running backs. But they do have a really good group and, and some depth that they can really lean on. And again, keep guys fresh so that when they do get in these close games in the third or fourth quarter, uh, they can bring a new guy in that they trust and kind of carry the load to the finish. Not to make some of our uh, listeners throw their laptops across the room or whatever they're listening to, but I did want to ask, how is Savion Bird doing? And um, also uh, Tyler Guyton, uh, one of the better offensive linemen in the country. Uh, but what has Savion Bird done so far at Oklahoma? Yeah, I I believe he's starting. Um, yeah, I could be wrong on that. And so, what's his development been like, and um, just how's that offensive line for Bill Ball looking? Yeah, he's starting at left guard. He's been an interesting story. He, he's a guy that started in the bowl game last year, didn't play at all until that bowl game, and and you know they had some guys leave for the NFL draft, so that opened up that spot at left guard. And he's been kind of penciled in as the starter from day one, really since that bowl game when he kind of showed glimpses of being a great player. The thing with him has just been maturity and growing up and and becoming that player and reaching that full potential that you know Bill Beatenbow, the offensive line coach, thinks thinks he has. The thing with Savion is he dropped a lot of weight in the spring. I think he got down to about 280, 282. Uh, and the, you know the coaching staff said, "Hey, he's got to get his weight up if he wants to play." And a lot of that has to do with just being more mature and 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 getting in the weight room and those sorts of things. He got back up to 305. He won that starting job. He's a nasty guy. I mean, super physical, somebody that uh, they think has a lot of potential, can play in the NFL someday. But again, he was also the first one to get pulled on Saturday. And some of that was, I think he was getting a little tired. I think he's still getting into his game shape. Again, he hasn't played a ton of football over the last year. So you're going to see them kind of rotate, I think, still a little bit up front. But he's a guy that they think by the end of the year could be one of their best offensive linemen. I mean, you mentioned Tyler Guyton. He's got first round potential at right tackle. He's somebody that uh, super athletic, you know, comes from TCU, was a former tight end, a guy that can do a lot of different things. You know, Savion Bird, a lot of people think has that same kind of ceiling, somebody that can be drafted uh, in the first round someday, if not the second or third round. So, um, you know, they feel really good about that offensive line. And, and again, Savion steps in as one of the guys that I think has maybe the highest ceiling other than Tyler Guyton on that offensive line. Looking at the OU secondary, because I, I feel like, one, it's been – last year was tough defensively, but the secondary in particular just here and there through the years has not been what you know, a lot of people would want it to be. You know, people throwing their phones across the room when Buki does anything. But um, you do have a lot of talent in that secondary room between the corners, safeties, got Peyton Bowen, Gentry Williams, a bunch of guys uh, that are coming back. What's that room look like? Because that's, I feel like, where if SMU can get going, it's because their receivers are making plays and that has to happen for them to have a shot on, on Saturday. So where does that secondary look? Um, how's it look going into this one? Yeah, we might need a trigger warning for the, uh, the Buki reference there, but for OU fans, but yeah, no, my, it, I did that for my friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, it's totally revamped. And, and I'll say there's, there's belief around here that 
it's the most talent talented secondary that OU's had in some time. I mean, you look at Billy Bowman's a guy when he's healthy, he's been one of the better safeties in the country. I think he's one of the more underrated players that people don't talk, talk, talk enough about. I mean, I think he's a first team, all big 12 type player at safety. They bring in Reggie Pearson from Texas tech. He's a guy that's not afraid to be physical. will come up in the run game, make a big hit. Uh, a lot of OU fans remember at Texas tech. I mean, he, he knocked Dylan Gabriel almost out of that game uh, on a trick play. So he's somebody that can come up and make a lot of plays uh, is also somebody that has had several interceptions started at Wisconsin and Texas tech. So he's played a lot of uh, power five football. And then at corner, I mean, Gentry Williams is a guy to watch. He, he's somebody that starting for the first time this year, uh, you know, was highly rated out of high school out of Booker T in Tulsa. He's somebody that just looks the part. They haven't had a corner that looks quite like him in some time. He's number nine for, for those SMU fans that'll be watching. He He's a guy that they think can, again, be another all Big 12 type of player. And then you've got Woody Washington on the other side, somebody that's played more football than just about anybody on this team. He's somebody that's just really steady. He, he's not going to wow you, but he's a guy that you'll just forget is out there because he's doing his job. And that's kind of what you want at that corner position. And then at Cheetah, uh, kind of their nickel hybrid linebacker safety, whatever you want to call it, position. Um, they feel really good about Justin Harrington. Juco kid has a really unique story. Um, you know, was off the team. You know, he he went in the portal, got kicked off the team under Lincoln Riley, basically. Uh, Venables lets him back on the team as a walk-on. He's re-earned his scholarship and is a guy that they think is one of the more athletic players on the team. He's going to play a lot uh, and is somebody that can do a lot of different things. He can come off the edge. They can blitz him. Uh, he can drop in coverage. He can be a spy, uh, which you might see some of that with Preston Stone and what he's able to do running the football. So uh, they feel really good about their secondary. It's just more about can it mesh all together because you do have so many different faces. I mean, you're going to see Peyton Bowen. Uh, you mentioned him earlier. He's going to play, um, you know, maybe in that dime package. You'll also rotate in some at that safety spot with Billy Bowman. So uh, they've got they've got a, a, a lot of guys there, a lot of depth. It's just a lot of guys that some haven't played and some haven't played with each other. And, and, and a lot of times in the secondary, it's about being cohesive, being a cohesive unit in that communication. And that wasn't always there last year. And they also just didn't have a ton of talent on that back end last year either. So uh, I think they feel really good about it. But again, they're going to they're gonna be tested this weekend. And I think that that's what a lot of fans are looking forward to, to see if it's if it's the real deal. How good is uh, P.J. Adeboye? Uh, look so far. Uh, he's a guy that I saw at Under Armour down uh, Under Armour um, the uh, Future Fifty before their uh, junior season. Just unbelievable talent. Just so so good. Um, what has he done so far? And just kind of how is he the answer to the pass rush for Oklahoma? And a guy asked me as a circle. Yeah, it's it, that's that's a great question. I, I know there's a lot of people concerned with the pass rush. They only had one sack against Arkansas State. Now some of that's what. Arkansas State was doing offensively but you know PJ got 11 snaps in the first game I don't think he got into the second half he's been a little bit banged up in fall camp but uh Billy when you see him out of practice I mean there's not too many guys that look like him I mean I can't remember the last time Oklahoma had a player that looked that great and again it's one thing to look great you got to see what he can do in the game he showed some flashes in those few snaps I think they're being cautious with him because he like I said he was a little banged up in fall camp. I think we're going to see more of him as the season progresses. I think we'll see more of him on Saturday, especially if that pass rush isn't getting there. He's somebody that can obviously get after the quarterback. I think we're going to see him in some situational uh, positions where you know it's third and long and you know they're going to pass uh, and you can bring somebody like him. 
So I think we're going to see him. But again, that's another room that has a lot of depth. They brought in uh, some guys in the transfer portal. I mentioned Bothroyd, Trace Ford. Uh, they bring back Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes. So they, they've got, uh, you know, a lot of depth there. And I think, you know, by the end of the season, PJ Atabara is a name that I think everybody's going to know because I think he's going to start playing a lot more. But right now, early in the year, I think they're kind of slowly easing him into a, a role right now. But I mean, you'll see him out on the field because you definitely cannot miss him. Uh, last question for you. Um, how do you see this one playing out? Do you have an early prediction to share? Yeah, no, I, I think SMU hangs in there. I think this is an offense that, um, you know, can hang with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is going to put up some points. I do think that they'll be able to score on SMU. I know that you talked uh, on our show about SMU and kind of that revamped defense. I still think Oklahoma will be able to score, but, um, you know, I think SMU hangs in there, keeps it close till halftime, and then I think maybe Oklahoma pulls away and maybe wins something like 45, 31, 28, something like that. And again, I, I think that, at the end of the day, I, I feel really good about this Oklahoma team. And there's the expectation here this year is to win 10 games and and play for a Big 12 title. So, um, you know, I, I think getting off to the right start. And, and I'll say this too, Billy. You know, I, I know there's some people out there that say, oh, well, the first test for Oklahoma is until Texas. I can tell you this coaching staff, the way that they've talked this week about SMU, they're taking this game very seriously. They know this is a very real test. Um, you know, and next week they get Tulsa, which, you know, is not as, as great of competition. But I think that they know this is they're going to find out a lot about their football team this week, and they're preparing in a way uh, that they know that SMU is going to come in here and give them their best shot. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope you guys are as well, um, because I think it's got a chance to be a good one. Um, yeah, team's going to you know do their thing on on Saturday, so um, excited for it. Excited to meet you guys in person and uh, get up to Norman for another game. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Billy. Thanks for uh, joining the show, and we'll catch you on Saturday. So go ahead. Follow George Stoya and the whole team at Sooner Scoop. I've been dropping their links on uh, on theponyexpress.com really since the summer, all their preview content. So check them out and uh, give them a follow. We continue on with the On the Pony Express podcast, previewing SMU Oklahoma. Got to give you guys kind of the rundown on the team going into uh, – this week, and and look, SMU coming off of a game against Louisiana Tech, we, we talked a lot about it um, in the post-game podcast, but um, I think for SMU, I've rewatched the game now, and and there are a couple concerns that I have, and and if I'll post the interview with the Sooner Scoop side of things and um, that I did with them, but one of the concerns I have is, you know, just coming off of week one, how much cleaner can SMU get offensively in one week you know Rhett Lashley and his staff have really been you know harping on the fact that you know all teams across the country you see that jump from week one to week two for SMU they had some things go their way offensively they got a little help here and there with some penalties they also hit some explosives here and there but they also had some moments where you felt like it was a little choppy a little um you know, they had far better talent that made plays over Louisiana Tech. On Saturday, that's not going to be the case. They have to execute at a much higher level than they did offensively. And, and this is an offense for SMU that, you know, was right at four yards carry, really without um, the big LJ Johnson run. You add that in there, they, they you know, got you know, much closer to five yards of carry. They had over 200 yards rushing. They had over 200 yards passing. 
They didn't turn the ball over, unless I'm really forgetting something, but I don't think they turned the ball over. Um, you also have a, a team that I felt like the offensive line, they did rotate guys, and there were a couple new faces in there. But I felt like here and there, in the short yardage, SB didn't get that push I was expecting. You know, you have some big dudes who have played a lot of football up front. I've got to see SMU get a better push against Oklahoma. And I know it's a much better measuring stick. I I know it's a step up, but I want to see it, them improve overall uh, from one week to the next. So um, offensively, SMU was back on the practice field Tuesday. Preston Stone getting back to work with his whole supporting cast. And I think for me, and again, now that it's in the season, we aren't able to watch much uh, practice, but um, Kamar Wheaton was back out there after his one game suspension. He was not in a black Jersey. He was in a white Jersey. So he was a full go. Um, I still think he's somebody that I don't think you're going to see much of, um, with Jalen Knighton and LJ Johnson and Tyler Levine, you know, holding things down, but you know, this run game took a little bit, took a little bit to get going for SMU in this, um, in the regular season last year, they, they kind of came around late. Um, they weren't able to get uh, things going as much as maybe they wanted to um, until really Tyler Levine took over. Um, so with um, with this offensive line, I'm interested to see how much they're going to rotate again because you do have guys like P.J. Williams and Logan Parr battling it out. You do have um, P.J. Williams rotating in with guys like Hyron White and Marcus Bryant um, and and I think the whole goal coming off of that first week was to really keep guys fresh for the most part. I think they were able to do that. Um, one note is that uh, Ben Sparks was back out at practice. He was back out of practice late in fall camp um, and, and shortly before the season opener. But I just don't think he had cleared that next level that they wanted in terms of getting him ready to go um, for the season opener. So. Um, they went ahead and um, uh, and and you know sat him down, sat him uh, and didn't have him available. He wasn't even um, in full pads. He wasn't able to go. Um, and the same goes for Stefan Wright, who was not uh, active as well for SMU. And I think that's something that um, when you're watching this one go, um, that is going to be a guy that SMU will miss. Um, in a way, but they also didn't have him week one. So it's not like he got hurt in that game. But for SMU, they aren't planning on Stephon Wright anytime soon, it looks like, because he's not in practice. Um, he is not, um, you know, playing with with SMU right now. He's on the side uh, working. So um, that is worth noting when it comes to Stephon Wright and, and kind of what he where he stands uh, with this team, just in terms of getting back and maybe ready to um, – ready to make it back um, to this team because again, they, they have not been able to, um, you know, get him going. He's not been able to stay healthy. So the good news is for SMU, Corey Roberson, he met with the media today, which was fun getting uh, chatted up with another former Oklahoma player um, who, uh, you know, reunited with Calvin Thibodeau at SMU um, for him to have that pick six. I think that was a big moment for him. And uh, so he'll be, uh, motivated uh, in a big way going back to Norman this weekend. For me, I, I think, again, I mentioned the offensive line. I mentioned some of the things to clean up in the passing game. I felt like there was just not as much crispness, crisp, 
strictness with the routes and just kind of the timing on certain things. And again, I talked a lot about that in the post game uh, on our after staying show, which appreciate you guys bearing with me on the audio there. We did get it figured out. It's all set and ready to go for the next show um, at Shug's after the Prairie View A&M game. We'll be live again after SMU plays Oklahoma. Um, I'll be live from the press box in uh, Norman uh, for that one as well. So you can catch that uh, then. Um, but for SMU um, offensively, it's a lot of timing, I think, to clean up. It's a lot of the little things uh, where SMU uh, has to get right. They have to be able uh, to figure it out and, and get it back on track because um, this is a team that was re heavily reliant on one player last year, uh, did not have as good of a running game until later in the season, and they were still very much developing as an offense. So for them to get shut up, shut out in the second half, um, I think they were shut out in the second half. Pretty sure they were shut out in the second half. Uh, no, they had one. They had one score in the second half to basically get shut out in the second half or, and tie uh, Louisiana or lose, you know, fourteen seven in the second half. That's concerning for me. And I know SMU moved the ball and uh, they had different things that didn't go their way, like fourth downs or missed field goals or what have you. But I, I felt like that was a big kind of red flag for me. It was almost Casey Woods kind of equated it to kind of like just. Yeah, just everybody relaxed. Um, whereas Louisiana Tech kind of took it to the offense a little bit more in the second half. So it's a little concerning for me. I'm interested to see what they can correct. Correct Again, they they were pretty vanilla from what they said. Uh, they, they would not necessarily show too much. So what I want to see on Saturday in Norman is, well, what, what, what were you holding back? Rhett Lashley has been pretty good in big games of at least dialing up the right things. And it's been on the players to execute. We've seen Rhett Lashley help SMU to a win over TCU. We've seen them you know, cook offensively against Houston last year. Um, I felt like against UCF, against Maryland, and once they got going against TCU, they were able to figure it out. But you have to execute when it comes to the red zone, which I felt like SMU didn't do as well. Again, game one. But we'll see. The red zone has to improve. They've got to figure out a way to do some of those things that your good to great football teams do offensively. So um, it's going to be an interesting one in Norman on Saturday for SMU. Um, and if you're an SMU fan, uh, you've got to make sure you've got tickets to this game. And that's why you got to go to game time, gametime.co or game time, the app. Use promo code PONY for $20 off your first order. So be sure to check them out, Game Time. And what I love about Game Time is I love the flash deals. I love the uh, the exclusive discount on the zone deals. All of those things allow you to get the best price for your tickets. Whether you're waiting last minute and you're giving in now to all of this uh, pressure from your friends to head up to Norman, well, Game Time is the exclusive ticketing partner of on three and on the Pony Express. So there's the last minute ticket buying options. That's what that's where game time come in comes in. Use the game time's best price differentiator. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So go ahead and buy them through game time. Silly not to, because if you were to find them, same row, same section for less elsewhere, game time will credit you. It's a win-win. So 
Go to gametime.co and you can get more info to download the app or you can search for tickets there or you can get the app GameTime and use promo code PONY for $20 off your first order. Um, I love GameTime. I've been using them now for a minute. Um, it's funny that now they're a part of the On3 network. Um, I learned about them from another podcast that I listened to. Um, big fans of theirs and just what they bring to the table overall is just awesome uh, for sports fans. So whether it's sports, whether it's um, you know concerts, um, comedy shows, whatever, this is why you've got to get game time. Um, again, I've used them for uh, a, a comedy show, Bill Burr, we're going to go see in November. Uh, I planned ahead with game time, but I also know I've got that game time guarantee. If, you, if I find tickets in that row, in that section, game time will credit me 110% of the difference. It's the fastest ticket grow ticket ticket fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Um, get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You get the tickets in seconds, two taps and you're set. Um, I can attest to that as well real quick uh, to get your tickets. And so that's why you've got to download the Game Time app, create an account and use code PONY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code PONY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Appreciate game time and their support of us at On3 and on the Pony Express. Again, check them out. Uh, they're awesome. When I look at defensive issues for SMU, it's hard to point them out. It's kind of like for Oklahoma trying to point out issues or trying to point out, I mean, what you really did well because you faced a team that wasn't that good in Arkansas State. But when I look at defensively for SMU, they faced a team that has a stud receiver in Smoke Harris. He's not on OU's level, I don't think, in my opinion. But Hank Bachmeyer is an experienced quarterback. He knows how to go into Florida State and win. The Bulldogs didn't have a run game. Oklahoma certainly has a run game. They have a much improved offensive line compared to what SMU faced in week one. But I think some of the things for me that are translatable for SMU um, is that defensive line. And that's a huge piece for me as I watch SMU uh, go through fall camp, go through practice. Um, they really have the size necessary to at least hold their own against this Oklahoma offensive line. And Bill Bowes is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. He's been at it a long, long time now. And so I, I feel like watching how SMU performs against OU's offensive line is going to be something that um, I'm really interested to see how it goes because there are just so many guys through the years that Bill Bainbow's produced. They've got Tyler Guyton. They've got Savion Bird, who's coming back. They have a lot of options to really help them be successful this year. And so for me, as I um, go through watching this SMU team uh, against them, I'm high on SMU's chances of the defensive line to come out and, and swing big because it's a group that has the size in Jordan Miller, Elijah Roberts, Devere Levelson, Corey Roberson, Elijah Chapman, uh, Cam Robertson, Jalen Samuels, they've got the size to, to make plays and make, um, you know, happen what needs to happen for SMU to be successful this weekend. And then you have an improved secondary. So if Oklahoma's not struggling by any means, but if they're, they're working on improving 
their wide receiver core and, you know, Drake Stoops, who's fine. Andrell Anthony, who came in from Michigan, they kind of have questions. They're kind of like SMU. They're looking for somebody to step up in the past game. Remember, they brought back Austin Stogner, tight end, too. They had some issues to address. That's why they brought in all these guys. So where I look at SMU secondary, if you can just kind of hang on and you can allow SMU's defensive line to maybe get home. And I'd really have to rewatch again, but I just don't feel like SMU blitzed that much with with their starting defense and, and just kind of what they did overall. They really just kind of played it safe in a way. You know, you had Alex Kilgore, you had Jaquanis Burns uh, make some plays. You had Elijah Roberts, you had um, guys like that get home um, and, and get a sack, but um, Nelson Paul as well. But this is a this is a defense that I really feel like I'm intrigued to see what Scott Simons does, because if you go back and you watch the TCU game last year, I thought they were terrific. I thought they had a great plan. And I think in a way, you know, just some of the physical traits that that TCU team had last year match up similar to kind of what OU is going to have. That's kind of your comparison, you know, two big, big 12 teams. Um, Obviously TCU went on to have a much better year than OU, but Dylan Gabriel got hurt. A bunch of, bunch of stuff happened in Norman last year. Um, A lot of one loss games is what one, one possession losses as well. But for this OU team, Dylan Gabriel back. And if, if he's not that good early, for some reason, they can go to Jackson Arnold. I think they'd be fine. That's why I, I think this one could be a little bit higher scoring. For SMU, I'd really, if they're going to win this game, I think defensively, I'd like to see them circle this 24-point line. 24 points. That 24-27. But 27 kind of stretching it. If SMU is going to win, I think the defense has to step up and, and have a 24-point like performance. And offensively, that can allow you to get get above 30 and and win. I think that's how SMU wins this game. I don't I don't love SMU's chances to win a let's first of all, after last week's kicking performance, don't love SMU's chances to line up and win a game, win a game on a on a field goal. But I also don't love their chances in a one possession game. I've seen that play out too often when SMU has gone and played power five opponents, not named TCU. I think if SMU is going to win this game, they're going to win it by 10 points. I, If they're going to win, like I could see it being 34-24 and, you know, you get a late stop and, and you kind of put the game on ice. Oh, you dr- trying to drive and get back, get it back to one possession game. You can get a stop and that's how you can get it done. That's how you can get it across the finish line. But if they don't, they can't win. I, I think it's kind of flipped on them a little bit. I, I think again, I don't I don't see this game being like a one possession type of game. I see it being two for either team, whoever wins. But right now I I do have Oklahoma. I think I said I think I said 38-27, I think is what I said. And look, I maybe I'm giving OU's offense a li- little bit too much credit for a team that's looking for wide receivers to step up. We're looking at a run game that is good. We're looking at a quarterback that was good last year, looks improved in year two with Jeff Levy. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit against an SMU defense that really does have a lot of talent. Like this should be a defense that can carry SMU to an AAC championship. I believe that. I, I haven't seen many defensive performances against a group of five team or a conference mate, which are 
again, last I checked on that same level, like SMU had against Louisiana Tech last week. That was awesome. Really impressive. And they were busted coverage away from pretty much pitching a shutout the starters. In. So, but again, I, I, I feel like if this goes OU, OU's way, it's probably 38-27, something like that. If it goes SMU's way, I think 35 or 34-24, something like that is probably what you're looking at. Maybe a weird like eight-point margin for SMU, but I just – I get the sense that it's – I mean, I we're going to learn a lot about both these teams. I know I'm kind of rambling now. I am wrapping up, but you're going to learn a lot about these teams. You're going to learn a lot about Preston Stone and what he brings to the table. You're going to learn a lot about SMU's running backs. They've got a good group at running back. I think LJ Johnson earned himself a lot more carries um, against Oklahoma. Jalen Knighton, I think he'll find his footing. He was kind of in there early as the offense was kind of maybe figuring things out. Um, and, SMU, and SMU could have hit him on some bigger pass plays that they didn't. Um, but this is a game where we're going to see, and I, and I think we've talked about this on the board, we're going to see if Brent Venables – is OU's Chad Morris, honestly, because if they lose to SMU, oh man, there there are going to be some ticked off people. And OU is too talented, in my opinion, top to bottom, to lose to SMU. But it's not just an on-paper comparison of talent. It's how are you prepared? What's your game plan? What's your execution level? What's your passion like? All of those things. So if Oklahoma loses to SMU, I I think there's problems in Norman. If SMU beats OU, well, we know, okay, on paper, SMU brought in all these transfers and they produced and they've stepped up and Preston Stone looked good. He took a big step forward. The run games improved. All these things are going to really show themselves on Saturday. And I'm not saying you can sit here and if SMU loses, the whole season's going to go you know, away, because if OU wins, they are kind of who you thought they were, right? They're a blue blood program. They have a lot of talent. They have a coach who has clearly gotten them to a much improved state. On the flip side, if SMU looks good, is competitive and still loses, then you're like, okay, this is a team that's in the right direction. OU is not Maryland, even though, you know, last year OU took a step back. This year's OU team looks like it could take a step forward. You guys heard George on the podcast talk about, you know, how they feel like they can really, um, you know, take a step forward, step in the right direction. So um, for SMU, I, I just feel like they've, they've got to play turnover free. I know it's cliche. They've got to get out to a fast start. Um, and, and they've got to build some confidence because they can do this. They absolutely um, can make this happen. So um, we will uh, see how it goes. But uh, before I get out of here, guys, I got to tell you guys about our friends at Bird Dogs. Use the uh, promo code BIRDDOGS slash PONY. We got another giveaway for you guys um, on uh, this, as you guys said, sold them out of the hat and the Yeti. Um, it is the Hydro Flask style water bottle that you'll get with your order at Bird Dogs. And let me tell you guys, um, I was wearing them yesterday. We were out and about uh, grabbing some dinner and they're just super comfortable. A casual pair of shorts, joggers, whatever you like. Um, to, to grab from bird dogs. They also added polos recently. Again, they've got the hat that we've shown you guys, but use the pro, the promo code pony on the site for your free bird dogs, hydro flask style water bottle. That's a really nice water bottle. Or you can just go to birddogs.com slash pony 
and that gets you uh, the water bottle added right to your cart. So whatever pair of shorts you like, pick them out. They've got a bunch of styles, gym shorts, khaki shorts, you know, stuff you can wear in the pool, all those things, uh, bathing suits. Um, and for me, you see it there on the screen. The comfort with the liner is what's key, especially when it's hot. They've got the sweat whipping, wicking fabric uh, in there that really helps a lot. Um, so check them out. Birddogs.com slash pony gets you that free hydro flask style water bottle. So check them out, Bird Dogs. We appreciate their support of the podcast. Um, guys, I am headed up to Norman this weekend. Excited uh, to take this one in with you guys. Um, one of the cool moments, I mean, I remember when we went up to Michigan and look, it was a game there for a minute, if not for Ben Six, Ben Pick Six, Ben Hicks, Pick Six. Um, SMU might have had a chance to knock off Michigan a few years back, but um, this is a this is a team that feels a little bit different. We'll find out. I'm not again. I'm not predicting them to go into Norman and win. I am predicting them and expecting them to go in there and play well and be competitive. Um, I think they showed that they have that ability to just even last year against TCU. So, going to be a fun one. Hope you guys enjoy this edition of the podcast. We've got a lot uh, of podcast content to come um as well so be sure to tune in for the after stang show right after the game um, we will go down for post game we'll gather some interviews and then we'll broadcast live from the press box after the game so be sure to follow us on that one um and please subscribe to on the pony express.com a dollar for your first month fifty dollar or fifty percent off your first year of annual subscriptions as well that deal is going on so um hope you guys enjoy this weekend uh, if you're up in Norman, say hello, reach out to me on the site. Um, we'll be there to cover it all uh, for you guys. So hope you guys enjoyed this preview edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. Hope you guys have a great one, and we will catch you guys uh, after the game as SMU battles Oklahoma. Thanks for listening.